Welcome to Hold Up, the podcast where we watch our favorite rom-coms and decide whether they hold up. I'm Carrie Gilbert. I'm Allison Gilbert. And this week we watched Waiting to Exhale. Oh, wait, before we get to Waiting to Exhale. Yes, we have an announcement. We're on Patreon. We are on Patreon. We don't yeah. know what we're doing on Patreon, but we have ideas. We, we have two tiers. Figure it out. Yes. You could. Yes. You could. We have two tiers. You could join the Richard Curtis tier or the Nora Ephron tier. Um, there will be bonus episodes. We have figured out what our first bonus episode is, and it's going to be the experience of Carrie and I watching these movies will be bad. The episode we do on it will be good. Our, so our first bonus episode is going to be Carrie and I are going to watch all three Princess Switch movies, all the switches. All of them. And yeah. all the Vanessa Hutchinson's and sins. We will have seen uh, cumulatively upwards of 12 Vanessa Hutchins by the time. Also, we did one three three movies in one episode before, and both of us swore that we'd never do it again. And those were the Bridget Jones ones, two of which are good movies. Eh, one and a half of which are good movies. So we're about to voluntarily watch three bad movies for your all's pleasure. So please join the Patreon to get involved in that. Yes. Um. We'll put the link in the bio. It's in our social media feeds. If you are willing and able to support it, uh, that would make us so happy. But also these episodes will always remain free. So no brush. Yes. And even if you don't support the Patreon, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts because that does really help us out. Tell your friends. Follow and us, join on, us on the internet. And Twitter. Yes. We have, I will say we have fun on Instagram. We do have fun on Instagram. Lots of um, lots of rom-com, fun rom-com content. Yes. Um, we post funny rom-com TikToks that we find. Yes. It's a good time. Great. All right. Let's talk about Waiting right. to Exhale. You tell us the things I didn't look up. It came out in 1995. It was written by Terry McMillan and Ronald Bass and directed by Forrest Whitaker in his directorial debut. It holds a 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. But before we go any further, Carrie, Terry McMillan and Ronald Bass are both staples of this podcast. Can you tell us why? Terry McMillan. separate reasons. Terry McMillan because of um, how still got her groove back. Correct. I don't know why Ronald Bass is a staple of this podcast. Ronald Bass is the writer of My Best Friend's Wedding, as well as many other things. He's very prolific. Interesting. If you were watching this movie and you were like, was an older white man involved in the writing of this? The answer is yes. Fascinating. Um, Yeah. What were your predictions? Truly didn't have many. Never seen this movie. Didn't know what to expect. I suspected that it was not really a rom-com, and I think I was right about that um lots of rom little come i think i said last time that i had heard tracy thomas who hosts the stacks podcast which is a book podcast i had heard her on keep it and she had talked about how she and i think i in our last episode said nicole byers i was wrong nicole perkins she and nicole perkins talked about the book on one of her recent episodes um and she had said that the book did not hold up. So I had that expectation. Um, I also started to listen to that episode and their conversation's quite good. I did not have time to finish it. I, we can link to it. Um, 
they are both black women and they have a, some really interesting thoughts about like the particularly the book like the way the book that portrays black womanhood but they also have a really interesting conversation about what does not particularly age well in the book um so we can link to that but anyway so I had that expectation I would say the movie similarly has some things that ages age well and uh, things that absolutely do not hold up Kenya Moore's face I'm not gonna say it didn't age well it just aged differently sure I know Kenny Moore's face as well, if not better than I know my own. I've watched hours of her on screen and I had to Google if it was her. Well, she got that housewife money now, yo. She got that housewife's plastic surgery now. Allegedly, do not come after me, Kenya. I am afraid of, she, that is a housewife. There are not many housewives I legitimately think could destroy my life, but Kenya Moore is one of them. So anyway, my predictions were... I expected some issues, but I wasn't sure what they would be exactly. Um, Carrie, we sh- who's in this movie? Literally every person you've ever thought of. If you're like, that's an actor, they're in this movie because it includes, it stars icons, Whitney Houston, uh, Angela Bassett, Loretta Devine, Layla Rochon. She's married to someone, right? Also an actress in her own right, but she's married to like a, like a fancy director, I think. Anyway, Gregory Hines, the guy from The Wire, Leon Robinson, Giancarlo Esposito, Kelly Preston is there at one point, uh, uh, the Allstate guy, De- Dennis Haybert. A- 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 Dennis Haysbert. <laughs> I know that he's like a very respected and oh, successful yeah, she actor. She's married to like a big deal. She's married to Anton Fuqua. Yeah. Um, I did not know that. Bert. I'm sorry. I called him the Allstate guy. I know he's like a Shakespearean actor. <laughs> he's like a very big deal actor. Oh, I'm sorry. I was looking up who she was married to. Who have you named so far? Okay, the four women. Then who the else? Four women, all Gregory icons Hines. in their own right. Gregory Hines, which I said before we started recording, this movie really made me have to process. I don't know what it is about Gregory Hines that I love so deeply. And just there's something very visceral about Gregory Hines that calls to my childhood. It's, he just, to me, is, I think, the I, like the perfect man. Like, I think he's the ideal. Like, smart, kind, sensitive, funny, and can tap dance. He also just has, like, like when he opens his mouth, his voice is, like, something very, like, yes, like, just sexy. Yeah. Yeah. I also think, like, if we're ranking the men in these movies, it's, like, Gregory Hines. Oh, Donald Faison is in this movie. Wait, wait, wait. Are we ranking the men like by looks or by their characters? By their character. Because by looks, Leon Robinson all day, every day. Uh, yeah. I, he also, he's only credited as Leon in this movie. And maybe that's his official credit and everything. I, I was going to say, as- I've only ever seen him credited as Leon. When you gave him a last name in your diatribe about him and some housewife, Cynthia I, Bailey. I didn't realize who you were talking about at first. Kenya only, Moore's best friend. I've only ever seen him credited as Leon. Fair, the only reason I know that his last name is Robinson is because Cynthia Bailey and his daughter's name is Noel Robinson. Oh, okay. And Cynthia's last name is Bailey. Got it. Her name is okay. Cynthia Bailey, Carrie, and she's go back, rank the men. It would be like Gregory Hines, 
Donald Faison. Everybody else. <laughs> Wesley Snipes. He was a decent guy. Wesley Snipes was a decent guy. I Yeah, Wesley Snipes. I truly did not realize, but I've only ever seen him in his like blade gear. So, and I've also never seen blade. So I just can only picture him as like the poster in blade. I also had to like check that it was him just because he looks young, young. like and he's shorter than young. I think I thought he would be. You're right. His character is decent. He's not credited though. Nobody. So I was looking up Gian- Giancarlo Esposito is in this movie. I was looking up. I was like, that seems like a very young Giancarlo Esposito, but couldn't be. So I Googled it and he's uncredited. Kelly Preston is uncredited. That makes sense so because she's in it for like a hot second, but she and doesn't even really have by, lines. Oh no. She literally says one thing and gets smacked across the face by Angela Bassett. But Giancarlo Esposito, like Wesley Snipes, gets a whole like fucking backstory and he's uncredited. His wife is dying. We should talk about this movie is about four friends. <laughs> who are not all together for a good hour into this movie. This back half of this movie had some great, like, like girlfriend scenes, like them being together in a way that like, we just came off a weekend with our girlfriends in a way that made me very nostalgic and happy. And I think, I think we talked about this when we talked about how Stella got her groove back and that the scene of Angela Bassett and Whoopi Goldberg in the hospital, like Terry McMillan knows how to write women friends interacting with each other. You don't get that in this movie for at least halfway through. (laughs) And then even when you do, it's not nearly enough. Cause no, it's good, but it's not enough. Yeah. Those those were my favorite moments in this movie. And there weren't enough of like, I, this movie left me wanting more of that and less of the men. And I understand that this movie is about women navigating romantic relationships, but there was almost like too much men in this movie for me. (laughs) Too many, too many men, too many men. Uh, we only need focus on men. We only needed Gregory Hines and Donald Faison. Anyway, so it's about Angela Bassett, Whitney Houston, Loretta Devine, Layla Rochon, and their friendship and them dating various men. Angela Bassett's husband tells her in the beginning that he's leaving her for a white woman. It's Kelly Preston. Um, uh, Layla Rochon and Whitney Houston have both carried on affairs with married men to varying degrees of of success, I guess. And I don't know that you would say either one is successful. Right. Um, and Loretta Devine uh, uh, has a son, as a teenage son, played by Donald Faison. And his father comes like in for a visit and comes out to her. Um, and then she uh, starts a flirtation and ultimately falls in love with her neighbor, Gregory Hines, which is the story I wanted. Yeah. Also, he shows up way too late. Way too late. Yes. And so you, it's all of their sort of like their different approaches. Like I think Loretta Devine's character, whose name is Gloria is like a little reluctant to get back into it. Like she's just not putting herself out there. Um, Angela Bassett is sort of on like a revenge kick, which I mean, the most famous image from this movie is her lighting all of his shit on fire in a car. And that came way earlier in this movie. I was like, that has to be like deep in the movie. Nope. First 10 minutes. Um, yeah, the lawyer in me was like, was like, stop burning and selling his shit. Those are marital assets. The, I was like, the firemen came and just were gently like, please don't do that again. And I was like, I'm not a lawyer, but that's fully a crime, right? Like, that's not what I would go to. I mean, I guess burning your own car is like, yeah, I guess on your property. property. Yeah. Um, I mean, great scene. 
but then it's sort of about her recovering from her husband leaving her yeah um it's all the sort of love stories and all the sort of like these women navigating their various stages of their love life is very interesting but I found some more compelling than others and really what I wanted was Loretta Devine and Gregory Hines's love story yeah I because he was so. the only one where I was like and I guess he's the only one she's the only one who does end, end up with a partner at the end yeah mark and it, which is fair she's the only one who had found sort of like a good like kind decent man right and I think like Whitney Houston's story and Layla Roshan's story was more about like them coming into their own and being like I'm not going to be your mistress anymore right which is the sto- ending of the story I wanted for them I didn't want like their boyfriends to leave their wives and end up with them but but yeah like I I don't know I liked the love story of but again, I turns out had never processed Gregory Hines' death until two nights ago. So maybe that's what that was. Yeah, there just wasn't enough. Like I wanted more of the like friendship and like knowing, you know, like why these women love each other, what their relationships are, just getting to see them like shoot the shit and interact and like razz each other. And like there just wasn't enough of that. Um, it really feels like it's Terry McMillan's sort of like sweet spot. Yes. I mean, I liked how Stella got her groove back, how Stella got her groove back overall more than I liked this movie, but like the scene of that movie and I like the love story of that movie, but the scene of that movie that haunts me in a lovely way is when she's putting lotion on Whoopi Goldberg's feet. Yeah, And they're talking about like some girl they went to high school or college with making fun of her. And then it like, it's, she just writes female friendship so well. And that scene of the four of them on Gloria's birthday, like having eating cake and drinking champagne and like shooting the shit is so perfectly written. And it's like, that's, that's what I want out of this movie. <laughs> the, I think the thing that's like interesting to me or the thing that, I struggled with with this movie is like and again I understand like the whole point of this movie is like them navigating romantic relationships but like this is a movie with like four phenomenal female actresses who are playing friends and it does not pass the Bechdel test fair point like yes it's it's because they're always talking about men they're always talking about men. They're always focused on men. Even in that scene, birthday scene, like they're trying to stop Whitney Houston from calling like the married man she's dating. Dennis Haysbert, the Allstate guy. Yes. And um, and even like, even in the Loretta Divine relationship, which I really like, and I love Gregory Hines and I wanted more of him. And more of that relationship to be fleshed out. But like. She doesn't get over her insecurity. Because of like her own. Like worth and confidence. She gets over it because. He. Loves tells her that she's worthy of love. Like there. I. I would have liked. And I. Like yes we get that in the Whitney Houston. And the Leela Roshan. Storylines. But. I would have yeah. liked, I don't know. I would have liked a little bit more like separation or empowerment. opportunities to like them being explore. empowered by themselves and each other. 
yes. not by these men. Yes. I do not uh, believe, I do not believe in the glorification of murder. I do believe in the empowerment of women. Quote, Stephanie Germanata. Now, granted, like I get this, this book was written in the early nineties. Like we're talking, we're talking about and writing about women in different ways than we were, we, than Terry McMillan, you know, was. You and I weren't doing anything. We were literal babies. Um, you know, 30 years ago or whatever, but, um, you know, well, this, there's like, there's so much about this movie that is deeply nineties, like. Apart yes. from Gloria Devine's, Loretta Devine, her character's Loretta, name, her is name is Gloria. As I said it, I was like, that's not right. Loretta Devine's clothes and earrings, which our mother owned all of. Like our mother loved an earring that was in the shape of like an artistic lady. That was all she wore in this. Um, but like so much of this was 90s. Um, so yes, I think like for the time, the idea that three of the four of these women ended up alone was probably pretty a big deal yeah but you're right like in the story where she does end up with a man like Loretta Devine's story is she's I don't know 15 pounds heavier than the other three women so obviously an unlovable fat woman eye roll um and then like a man like Gregory Hines at one point is Gregory Hines plays a widower and he says, like, oh, my wife was bigger, too. I like a bigger woman. And that's like, yeah, a lot of men do. It's not a thing anymore. Like, yeah. like, like, and a lot of men do in a way that isn't, like, fetishy. And I don't think the Gregory Hines one was super fetishy. Like, again, like, he seems to genuinely love her. But just the way the line was like, oh, no, my wife was bigger, too. That's what I like. Had an air of, like, yeah, fetishness to it rather than just be like, oh, no, you're it's Loretta Devine, so she's obviously beautiful. It's like, no, you're an attractive, interesting, smart woman that I right. like. And also you're beautiful. Well, and I think, you know, we've talked about your body. Yeah. And like, we've talked about this in the context of some other movies, like there's something to be said for like the conventionally attractive, like Hollywood women not ending up with partners and like, not that Loretta Divine is not beautiful, but like the heavier woman, like ending up with a partner, but like, then can we take it a step further and like her feeling her own worth separate and apart from the fact that this man is interested in her. Right. And I also just like, I, I'm, I would be interested to read the book. I've never read the book, but I I'm tempted to read it because I feel like I wonder if some of this is, lost in the adaptation like if some of like the unpacking of the pursuit of love and romance as sort of like the end all be all if there's any unpacking of that in the book there's a a small amount although not enough in the Whitney Houston story and that she has a mother who calls her frequently and who wants her to be with this married man she's in a relationship with and who he is telling he's getting a divorce like he's fully lying to Whitney Houston's mother right and fi- and Whitney Houston's sort of end of the story is like mom I'm a television producer it's un- it seems like she's a news producer yeah she's yeah like, I'm a television producer I have a good job I work hard for it like I'm a successful person even though I'm not married and that's sort of her story is coming to I think believe that herself and then also stand up to her mother 
Um, so there's a little, there's a little bit of that, but you're right. I wonder if it's something that's like bigger and it's not. And like the Whitney Houston story tells us like, she is a worthy person because she is. And I think she says this in her monologue to her mother at the end. I am a good daughter, a good friend. I'm good at my job. I have people who love and care about me. They don't include a romantic partner, but that's not, but that doesn't make me less worthy. Right. And I loved that scene. I loved, and then she, and then she hangs up on her mother and immediately calls back and is like, I'm sorry, I used that tone. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was, was like, really correct. funny. Like, that was great. Like, yes. She was like, I'm sorry, I used that tone. But what I said, I stand by and honest to God, mom and I had one of those fights the other day where I said something. And then like a second later, I was like, I said that incorrectly, but the meat was right. Like I stand, yeah. like the boundary I set, I still set, but I could have been nicer about it. And so <laughs> <laughs> So it was just like a really like truly perfectly written like mother daughter scene. Yeah. But yes, like I maybe needed to to get the impression that that's where we were going or to see that in these characters, not in the last 10 minutes. Yes. Yeah. But I and, and so I wonder about the book because I do feel like the thing that I do enjoy about the movie is that like these each of these women is like a fully formed, fully fleshed out character and they're all very different from each other and and they show very different versions of like womanhood and motherhood and career and like choices and all of that. Um, But I suspect just because of what I know of book like adapted into movie is that like the book does even more of that. I mean, there's truly all books are better than the movies that they're adapted into with the only exception is a simple favor which is a terrible book and a movie that i very much enjoy (laughs) kenny moore has one line as she is wont to do in every black romantic drama comedy from the 90s is to show up and be like this is my man and then take him away and by that i mean she does it in this and I think it was also the best man. No, the last holiday. What was it? Wait, I'll get there. Hold on. I don't think it was the best man because I think like then the housewives connect. The best man later goes on to hilarious. Oh, no, no, no. It was deliver us from Eva. Thank you. Um, it's yes. her. It's just show up and be like, this is my man and lead him away. And then you have to be like, can you come back? Yes. Tell us about how much you hate Portia. Um, but I, we love her, but it's why I now understand, like I had never seen Kenya outside of housewives. And so when she showed up in her first season and she's like, I'm a very successful actress and lists all her credits, you're like, oh, she wasn't lying. It's just, she didn't say like, I was a one line bit part in all of those. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she was a working actor. I'll give her that. Oh, I wrote down all the nineties things. Remember smoking inside paging me at one point. One of them was like, he's paging me. I was like, no, he's not. Are you a doctor? um gregory hines can wear this muscle tee that doesn't have anything to do with the 90s it's just something we should all think about donald Faison is a teenager that felt very 90s <laughs> i love donald Faison. he doesn't have a ton to do in this movie because he's you know a baby actor and a literal child but he's just he's a he's a little he's a sweetie yeah um, and like, I did like the way that mother son relationship was written that like he was growing up and getting ready to leave and her sort of like struggle with it. And, and, and again, like Gregory Hines is the one to help her be like, no, he has to go. He wants to like go to Spain and, and like a gap year before college, I think. 
Yeah. And Gregory Hines is the one who has to be like, no, you have to let him enter the world and become a person and figure himself out and la la la. Yeah. They also but- like there were scenes where he'd like say something smart and then he'd be like, sorry. <laughs> I like I didn't mean to be that much of an asshole. Which felt like I that I really enjoyed. Like you're right, that relationship was written really well. And I liked the scene when so they all have this like girls' night for her birthday and then pass out in her living room and he comes home and like eats a piece of cake and gives her a kiss and says like happy birthday mom i don't know i just like i'm a sucker for a sweet mother-son relationship yeah and donald Faison. yeah we should talk about the men in this movie because with two exceptions gregory hines Don- three exceptions gregory hines donald Faison, and wesley snipes they're all bad yeah they they're all- this is a trash it's literally like look at all these different men coming up with different excuses to be cheating on their wives yes Everyone is cheating and on their then, wife in that. I don't remember where it came from, or maybe it came from a couple of different men, but there was some real like massage noir shit that went on where they were like, This is why we date white women because black women are too challenging. And I was like, Whoa. Well, Angela Bass is not enough time to unpack all of that shit. Fully leaves her for Kelly Preston. Yes. And in a way where it's like, all right, objectively, it's like people fall in love with who they love with. People fall in love with who they fall in love with. But also like the like then painting Angela Bassett is and like justifiably angry over it and then like hits um, Kelly Preston, which again, I'm like, yes, burn his stuff, hit her. That is your husband's mistress. I accept all this. But it's also sort of like Kelly Preston is like this poor blonde white woman who's just like at the whims of this like angry black woman. And I'm like, the angry black woman is a hundred percent in the right here. <laughs> like, yeah. Her husband's leaving her. And Angela Bassett has a couple of good lines of like, we have children, like, and then like the thing I liked about the Wesley Snipes, Wesley Snipes is like a man at a hotel. She's, she had a work thing. Why is she out of town? Why is she at a hotel? I don't remember. I don't think it's ever really clear he's at a work thing she's at a hotel for whatever reason and like he comes up to her at a bar um and they go back up to one of their hotel rooms and he reveals to her like i am married but my wife is dying of cancer is not interested in sex i and he and he says like i love my wife very much this is hard on me for many reasons but also because like i i she won't let me have sex with her because she's sick and it's like sweet and sad and like He's like the yeah, only it's not she- creepy. Like, I think no. there's like a. And he likes her. He thinks she's interesting and engaging. Like, it's not a man trying to get laid. It's him being like, you're an interesting person to me and you're beautiful because Angela Bassett. Well, and I think they're uh, the other thing that is like, they're both, they like recognize the other's like loss and grief in each other. Yes, that's a good um, and loneliness like they reckon they reckon like even though they're experiencing that loss and that grief and that loneliness in different ways and because of different circumstances they have that in common and so they find comfort in each other and like we don't see him after that scene but we do see that they're writing letters to each other that are very sweet and very vulnerable and um that was a love there's like a friendship and love there yes um and i think they like give like there's an extent to which like they give each other hope like that there is love after divorce or after loss um or after 
you know, the death of, of the love of your life. And I think the other thing that's interesting and like, I probably don't really have the authority to like speak on this since I'm not a black woman, but like, there's something really interesting about the fact, like Angela Bassett, like has a lot of anger toward her husband and for lots of reasons, one of which being, or part of that anger being that like he left her for a white woman and the ways in which like in our society, white womanhood is held up as like the ideal the, version of woman. the ideal version of womanhood. And so and like, I think that white women feel entitled to black men. Yes. So I, you know, I think there's justifiable anger when your husband leaves you regardless of the circumstances, but then on top of it, like all of the like racial politics that then go into it. Right. Yes. So anyway, so, but then, so then she runs into Wesley Snipes and he says to her, you know, I think I should tell you because of what you've told me about your husband leaving you. And for a white woman is that my wife is white. And he says like, I love my wife. Like I love her deeply. And this, this is never said, but I think that there's something in there for, I think like there's something for Angela Bassett's character in there that like to see like him really love his wife who is white. It's like, it like, uh, I don't know, like she makes some peace with what happened, even though like all of her anger is justified and all of the like, you know, racial politics of it is all there and real and like yes that's true and that's real and that's complicated and also like so often the interracial couples were given are black man white woman and not the other way around like black women are never afforded the the reverse black, yeah black men still have the power of being men white women still have the power of being white black women don't have either of those things right and so that I think makes it much more complicated. And I think part of what was nice about the Wesley Snipes mini story was him being like, no, my wife and I are in love. I also find you attractive. Right. And yeah, all, all of like, those things are true. Yeah. I sound like an idiot because I'm in my thirties. I'm about to talk about TikTok. Um, I mean, we're, uh, people love 30 on TikTok. There was this video that was going around you may have seen it there's this video going around where somebody was like what's something that white people aren't ready to hear and this woman responds and says white women have no inherent power historically and even in present day like our power comes from our proximity to whiteness and well not our proximity it comes from our whiteness and from our proximity to the patriarchy and our power comes from our fathers and our husbands and the men whose white supremacy we yield. And so what like society classifies as black female anger is really like a lack of recognition of like the inherent power in black women and like them wielding their own power because white women do not yield their own power. And so we do not recognize that. And right. 
sit with that for a minute. Um, oh, already, yeah. I'm emotional because Gregory Hines died 20 years ago. I'm emotional because Red came out this week and now you've given me this. <laughs> yeah. I've seen it a couple times and every time I like have to sit with it and I, I can't find the lie. Um, it's just, I can't, I also cannot find the lie, but the idea that we don't wield our own power. Well, very true. is also like, you're right. I don't. Yeah. Well, right. And it's, and so like that, and so it, talking about like the power of like white women's tears versus like the trope of black female anger. But I think that one thing like that's really interesting in this movie is like, in that scene where, you know, where Angela Bassett burns the car or, or where she slaps Kelly Preston in the face, like they're like, it, it is black female anger, but it's powerful. And, and like having seen that video like that, it was abundantly clear in that video. Like she is wielding like her own strength and her own power and like her divine feminine and and that's true of all the women in this movie like there's an extent to which like they are they're all very different women but like there is something like inherently woman about them well and the movie is affording Angela Bassett her anger she is not angry and it's not like look at this unhinged angry black woman the movie is saying she's angry and she's acting out and she's, a, and she is allowed to be, and it's justified. And we're watching our, and like, I think the audience in the movie wants her to heal and wants her to, I think that's part of the point of the Wesley Snipes is the Wesley Snipes storyline is that she's going to get over her divorce. She's going to continue. She is clearly an excellent mother. She's going to continue to be all these things that she right. is capable of being. And she's allowed revenge and anger because her husband is leaving her. Yes. And so I, I think it's sort of an interesting in the ways we talk about like black so often in movies when black women are angry, it's, it's like, at, and in life, it's like at the, then white women are the victims of it. And this, it's like, no, she is the, she's the story we're, we're following. She's the protagonist here. And she's allowed all of those things. Right. When Loretta Devine didn't want to give her that haircut. And again, knowing what she would look like at the second half of that movie, because the movie is so old that I knew what she looked like. I was like, give her the haircut. She's going to look so good. (laughs) Just do it, Loretta. (laughs) I was going to transition to Whitney Houston. My first note is I miss Whitney Houston. Same. That she's like the initial voiceover. She's all the voiceover. No, it switches between them. I in the way the <laughs> it's been a week. In the way when we watched Ten Things I Hate About You and we talked about Heath Ledger, I think I felt similar things watching this, which was yeah. we got so much greatness from Whitney Houston. She will never be forgotten. She will go down as one of the greatest artists of all time. Albeit, I do think her acting gets forgotten more often than it should. Um, but it's just when you watch somebody that died young and tragically in the way that both she and Heath Ledger died, you think if if the world had been different, if celebrity was treated different, if drug addiction was treated different, if she had been able to survive that, 
like, I don't know. What would she like? What would she have gone on to continue doing? Yeah. And it's just really, really sad. And also like you and I are children of the nineties. And so like I, Whitney Houston is one of those deaths where like, I remember when it happened and I remember, like, I remember it's a celebrity death that hits a little bit different because we grew up listening to her music and watching her movies and, and she was important to little girls in the nineties. And so to sort of revisit her and a movie I'd never seen before. So revisit her in a role that I didn't, you know, I've, I've rewatched Brandy Cinderella. I've rewatched the bodyguard. I've rewatched these movies that I, um, that I had seen before, but to see her in something different, it's sort of like, Oh, she, I could still be watching new Whitney Houston. If only she were alive. And yeah. she's, she was she's a phenomenally so talented person. Yeah. Yeah. I think that like, that was, I think that was part of my realization and it's the same. I think that the thing that's like so tragic about Whitney Houston is that I mean, there's, there's no question about like her voice, right? Her voice was like a once in a lifetime kind of voice. But then also like when you see her and stuff like this, where like, she's not singing at all. She's still incredibly compelling. Like the moment you hear her voice over, like there's something just like magnetic about her. She has a, she has a voice like Gregory Hines, like where it's just like like a speaking voice where it's, there's something like soothing about it she's a beautiful speaking voice (laughs) and the fact that she never knew that about herself or never recognized that about herself and like until like to the day she died was desperately trying to like prove her own worth and her own value is heartbreaking it's unbelievably tragic yeah yeah um Um, she's very good in this i love the scene when she finally leaves dennis habert i love i there are two scenes on the phone with her mother both of which are so good one we've already talked about where she says like i am a successful person despite the fact that i am not in a relationship and one where she her mom says something like they cut off her food stamps or something like i forget like it's revealed that her mother is uh does not have a lot of money and is on food stamps. And she just has this like loving conversation with her mother where she's like, you have to tell me these things when they happen and anything you need, I'm going to like that relationship is just so, cause literally it's two scenes later when she yells and hangs up on her mother. And it's just a really lovely, honest, like she would send her mother all the money she has. And also sometimes she yells and sets boundaries and then calls back to be like, I retain the boundary, but I'm sorry. I yell. Yeah it's just again like terry mcmillan can sure write scenes between women um and whitney houston acts it really really well yeah yeah and yeah i wish she were alive yes um and you're right i wish that she had known that and i wish that so much of her story especially in the last few years of her life weren't so sucked up by addiction and a man and but also at one point in this movie a woman fully looks at a larger man and and says ew a lot so we should unpack that yeah 
And then it's like, oh, I guess he is good at sex. And I just, because he, because he'll ask what I want. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's right. That's what you should. He is attractive. (laughs) And then he's good to you. Yeah. So that scene, so like he's a coworker of hers, they're sleeping together, whatever. And like he's so weird in the scene until he's suddenly not. And he's like suddenly like very sweet and charming and like asking her what he wants, what she wants. I don't know. It was just like a weird 180 in his character where I was like, what just happened here? And then I like really thought we were going to like build to something with these two, you know, it was going to be like a, this is the second week in a row that I'm referencing Charlotte York, but like a Charlotte York, Harry kind of situation where like, you know, he's not her type and not at all who she expected she'd end up with, but she does like in spite of that. But then we quickly like do away with him. Yeah. Like I thought he was going to be like end game for her. Like I thought we were then going to go through and like, look, eventually we will have to, <laughs> I don't know if you realize this, but now that we've started a Patreon, eventually we are going to have to watch and talk about the sex in the city uh, series, the new series for the Patreon in which we will talk about like the ick factor of charlotte being like i guess i'll deign to love this fat jewish man like do we maybe need to unpack why those things weren't already on the table for her and do we fully unpack that it's because charlotte is problematic anyway (laughs) that you're right like that's a decent comparison because it's sort of like he's very weird at the beginning i return like why aren't men in this movie good at sex like why yeah like he's very awkward and i was like i don't like this and then he turns like lovely and loving. And I was like, okay, I do like, and also like Wendell Pierce is an attractive man. Like, and again, it, to me, he is the detective from the wire. So maybe that is coloring, but it's like, if he's not, he was playing this like awkward fumbling man who then turned around and was attractive. It was like, why can't that be who she ends up with? Why can't that be her storyline? And why aren't we addressing like how many times she's referring to him as so unfuckable because of his body size? It's icky. My notes here are justice for Michael exclamation point sub. I made a little tabby. Okay. Maybe not, but no fat phobia. <laughs> Cause then he got weird. Okay. I'm back on team. Michael. <laughs> it was a journey. I mean, it was me. that scene was like, I don't know, two minutes long. And it was like a real roller coaster. I was like, do we like him? Do we not like him? Could we not like him without the casual fat phobia? Like it was all, it was just, I think part of what I struggled with, with this movie is like, there isn't really a plot. No. Like, like it was hard to follow like what we were doing. And it was it was very like vignette Like we got like these vignettes of their lives, but without sort of like what we were ultimately building to, you know, like there was no through line. And I think that that was also why like we didn't get more of them together is because there wasn't like some surrounding or not surrounding some central thing that we were like circling around. Well, it turns out it was, Russell, the character played by Leon, but also like particularly in her story, there were too many men. 
you had Michael, the Mike, the um, Wendell Pierce character, you had this like drug addict she was dating who they continually refer to as a crackhead, which I think does not hold up as language. And then you had Russell, this married man who will not leave his wife for her. And that, and he's sort of talked about a lot, but we don't see him until the last like third of the movie. And it's like, we needed to focus her. We needed to lose one. We needed her to like, either like have this nice, but sort of like nerdy man she doesn't find as attractive choice and or the drug addict who's clearly a bad choice because he's uh, unwilling to confront his addiction and or the married man who's unwilling to leave his wife for her but having like two bad men and then one like maybe nice but maybe not guy it was just sort of like what do we want for her and the answer was none of them (laughs) yeah but you're right it was a hard thing to follow and and yeah and because we didn't there see Russell until late in the movie, I was like, are we just going to continue to refer to him as if he's a person? <laughs> Never. Right. Like Whitney Houston just kept being like, don't answer the phone from Russell. And I was like, uh, who is this third man? <laughs> yeah. But I also just mean like there was no, I don't know, like there was something like not like pulling it all together. Like all of, I mean, their friendship obviously like brought all the women together, but there wasn't like some. I don't know. I felt like there was something like missing in the story that like the marrow to connect it all. I mean, in the way that like other friendship movies, we've like girls trip or bridesmaids, which are other movies about like a group of friends had either essence fest or uh, the wedding to bring them together. There's like a central thing. All of these stories are existing around and that this didn't have that. Well, there was like no sort of conflict, like sort of Angela Bassett's like divorce trial, but not, like not really not really and there was no like central conflict that tied all these women I don't know I needed needed more I think or I needed I needed I don't know something yeah it just felt a little it was hard to know what we were watching and where we were going yes yeah except like very good actresses being very good actresses yeah which fine, like I like all four of these actresses. I'd watch them all day long, do nothing, but like I don't know. Yeah. And and I think I just I also just kept getting hung up on like these four phenomenal women like being so focused on men and the horribly horrible choices they're making around men. And like several times throughout this movie, the line every woman needs a man came up in a way that I was like that isn't we're not unpacking that as like a thought process that isn't true like right it's, it like we also like this maybe also movie also believes that i mean the title of the movie is literally from a monologue from whitney houston about how like when you find the one you can finally exhale it's like but yeah. but like could you also like find a way to like settle into your life without finding a man question mark yeah you can breathe you can you can breathe without finding a man and then you can also find a man if you want to but you can breathe also right and like then she gets there like particularly you know like it's interesting that like then she's the one that or one of the ones ultimately that like gets there and realizes like no i have all these wonderful things they don't necessarily need a man but but i'm not sure like we ultimately I'm not sure that's the ultimate message of the movie. I'm not sure that's the thesis of the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
men have a lot of excuses for why they're cheating on their wives. (laughs) You're just a prick. Dennis Haysbert, get me low priced insurance and get out of here. (laughs) Oh, I have to talk about this because I feel like there is a scene. It's the birthday party scene where Angela Bassett is depressed and she is smoking a cigarette and the ash on that cigarette is the longest ash I've ever seen. I have no idea what happened in that scene because I was just watching it being like, at some point it's going to fall. It was insane. I couldn't take my eyes off that cigarette. And I feel like I've never heard anyone talk about it. So I had to bring that publicly. (laughs) There was a Sally Jesse Raphael reference because again, we are deep in the the 90s. At one point, I just wrote Gregory Hines in all capital letters. I don't know what he had done. I think, like, in the last scene where they make out, it's, like, a very good kiss. And I was, like, this is very sexy. He's like, so damn fine. Or he maybe was, was so my, damn fine. I saw a TikTok that was, like, I threw a Halloween party and you had to come dressed as your sexual awakening. And is my, was my sexual awakening Gregory Hines? Maybe. The first 10 minutes of this movie after Angela Bassett's husband says he's leaving her is just her being depressed. Her clothing? Her depression clothing? gorgeous truly my depression clothing and her depression clothing very different Mm -hmm. she's in like a full teddy with like a gorgeous silk robe my depression clothing is just like the same sports bra and sweatpants i've been wearing for literally days on end yeah a stunning like that scene where she lights the car on fire and walks away in the beautiful teddy it's it's implied that she's been wearing that for days because it's her depression clothing, yet she looks stunning. Yeah, if Jeff ever leaves me, please buy me a silk robe so I can wander around my house like I'm very dramatic. Only if you'll then set your car and all this stuff on fire. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, no, because they're marital assets. Um, mm. I also wrote this. Loretta Devine at the beginning of the movie cannot keep her houseplants alive. I cannot keep my house plants alive. At the end of the movie, at the end of the movie, her plants are thriving because she's fallen in love. This would suggest that should I fall in love, I'll stop killing house plants. So men of Los Angeles, almost none of you, but like maybe two exceptions. Come find me so that I stop killing house plants because my hanging plant right now is uh, hanging on by a thread and I've got a succulent back here that's just shriveled to shit. So I need to fall in love so that my plants will be saved. There you go. Um, That's what I learned from this movie. I mean, a good takeaway. Also some casual homophobia. Oh yeah. So Giancarlo Esposito comes and he's like, turns out I'm not bi. Turns out I'm gay. That's why I don't want to have Loretta Devine's X slash the father of Donald Faison. And then he leaves and it's like very a, nicely being like, I don't want to have sex with you because I am a gay man. Which like, that's fair. I was team Giancarlo Esposito and like coming out to your ex and like how challenging that is until he said the words. Um, It's about his son. It's up to him to make the first move. Mm-hmm. That was bad. You're, you're the father. You're the parent. You're, you're the, the parent. Mm-hmm. he's a child yeah, no the the character is seven i don't know how old donald Faison was at the time of filming the character's like 17 he's a right. child right and i was like uh, nope no, you lost me until the next scene when then donald Faison and loretta divine are just throwing around the f-word like it's candy 
Yeah. It's like everyone in this situation could have done better. Well, and she says to him, I'd send you to your daddy if you weren't gay. Like somehow that makes him not a good parent. I mean, I think maybe the fact that he's not in his kid's life makes him not a good parent. Yeah, the fact that he said he can reach out to me. No, no, he's a, you're the parent. He's the child. Right. Yeah, I think there's lots of things that we could question about his parenting, but I'm not sure that his homosexuality is one of them. No. I think there, like, so much about this movie I think would be different if redone. Sure. Maybe not the fat phobia. That's always the thing. I'm like, meh, that persists into 2021. <laughs> but I would hope that we would lose a lot of that. Also, I love it when Giancarlo Esposito shows up. He was a child. <laughs> Very young So young. Also because to, he, his face in my mind is so, like, staunchly like 40s and 50s like he has like such a like he just has such like a mature grown like like everything I've seen him in is him being like I am smart and here to solve a problem or list something businessy and so then to see him as like a a young man I was like oh you're you could be Donald Faison's age well because I also feel like he is an actor who like was a steady working actor for like years and years and years and then like in the last like five to ten he's suddenly like in everything and like everywhere and like becoming more of a household name and so like he's kind of like in our brains as like you know older Giancarlo Esposito when like even though he's been around forever and ever it's just that like now he's in so many things and he's everywhere yeah, he's been discussed on this podcast in the classic holiday film, The Last Holiday. Yeah. Because I feel like Breaking Bad is like what put him on the map as like for like, like beyond just like character actor guy. What are your final thoughts on Winning Dex Hale? I mean, I think there's a lot that doesn't hold up. I think there's a lot that's good. And I don't think I'll return to it that often. <laughs> Great summary. I agree. What are we watching next week? Because Christmas is here. Oh. It's the Christmas season. Although the problem is we watched all the good Christmas rom-coms over the last two years. And so now we're left with the tracks. What are we watching? (laughs) Next week we are watching. You know what? I'm not going to lie. I'm excited. Next week we are watching Ghosts of Girlfriends Fast. Oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, I will watch Jennifer Garner forever. Is there a different Christmas Carol adaptation you'd rather watch? Diva's a Diva's Christmas, Christmas Carol. <laughs> Not a wrong. I think that's. I think that's a Patreon episode. Yeah. Um. Great. But yes, I we're gonna watch. Think this movie's the, gonna have all kinds of problems. <laughs> the McConaughey Gardner classic, Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. I mean, I love Jennifer Garner in a rom com. I mean, I, the entire movie's gonna be about making a problematic man worth of worthy of a woman. So. <laughs> the matthew mcconaughey story so yeah come back in two weeks for that join us on our patreon where we'll be watching again all three princess switches you don't have to do it we're gonna do it for you yeah you do have to pay us for it that's what patreon's about but we'd so appreciate it um but if not you can find us other places on the internet like instagram at holds underscore up underscore pod and twitter at hold underscore up underscore podcast and you can leave us ratings and reviews on apple podcasts and all other platforms bye
Bye.